0: Intentional walk for Schwarber. They get to Davis and with a pitcher spot now on deck. Allen Webster is up in the bullpen. Remember the bullpen wasn't used on Friday. Cubs were off on Thursday. Davis in the air. Deep left. It
1: is gone. That's a grand slam. The tie.
0: And we're back with the third episode of the Framing the Conversation podcast. I'm Devin Fink with Jeremy Frank and Taylor Davis. As many of you know and have listened, Jeremy's the stats guru at MLB Random Stats on Twitter. And Taylor Davis is the professional baseball player and current free agent spent last season with the Cubs. um, And all the seasons before that with the Cubs as well. So, We've got a Cub, a Cubs fan, and me, baseball writer at Fangraphs. You can follow me on Twitter at Devin Think. This is our first podcast since the Winter Meetings, you guys. A lot to talk about, right? Very exciting. Yeah, a lot of action. Yeah, I mean, the funny, funniest thing for me, the Winter Meetings, Boris, I think, before we get into the signings themselves, I just would like to Thanks, Scott Boris, because he spaced out the signings so nicely. <laughs> Strasburg signs on Monday, Cole signs on Tuesday, Rendon signs on Wednesday. Everyone got their headlines. Everyone got a like, good amount of time to break it down. It made the winter meetings fun, and it really you know kept the action going every day. So, Scott Boris, if you're listening to the podcast, I'd like to thank you for that very obscure – And I I would like to thank
2: thank him for uh, not having anyone sign during either of my finals, which was another nice surprise. (laughs) I was nervous. I'd go into one of my tests and come out and have like, oh, Garrett Cole just signed or Steven Strasburg signed. But that did not happen. I did not miss anything during my test, which is terrific news.
0: Um, I remember as soon as Cole signed, Jeremy, you texted me. You're like, Devin, Devin. It was it was like midnight on the East Coast. I was watching a movie, so I had to pause it. Um, and just started rapid firing the tweets. You no, know, you know one, of the cra-
1: the, one of the crazier things, like my favorite thing about the signings, were seeing like the people put like different stuff to the value, like, you know, stuff to the monetary value of it. And one of my favorite ones was uh, <laughs> the Angels paid a million dollars more. For Angel Stadium and 133 acres surrounding it.
0: Right. Yes.
2: This <laughs> <laughs> is crazy. Yeah. To me. How much do we pay yeah. for the entire Louisiana purchase, though? Um, fifteen uh, million. Right? Yeah. So that's like, yeah. It, it was, like, it what, was half a, a steal. What he'll, what he'll clear like not even year? half a season of them.
0: Yeah, the Louisiana purchase was fifteen million dollars. I would say that was a steal by the United States. Great market value there. (laughs) Um, But in all seriousness, um, a lot to talk about. Strasburg set the record for the largest pitching contract in MLB history. But then Garrett Cole broke that the next day, um, becoming the third player to get $300 million. So evaluating the two players in the context of their contracts – would both of you still rather take Cole? Uh, I would uh, say well,
2: yes. Yeah, while, sorry, Taylor, no, but like good. while we're paying that much money for uh, for the two guys, I think it's fair to say that uh, you can go the extra couple of years and several uh, dozen million dollars for the for the I think significantly better significantly better pitcher in the long run. I would say Cole is. I would prefer his stuff over Strasburg's plus the injury risk, but. I don't think either of them were bad signings by any means.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I would I would happily have either of those guys on my team. Um, now, Strasburg is how old, 31 or 32?
0: I believe he's going to be 31 next season.
1: Okay, so so he was exact. So, you know, and this is kind of the interesting part to me is that, Stra- you know, when we talk with, with that question, which is a, it's great you brought that question up. So, Cole signs a nine-year deal at age 29. Strasburg signs a seven-year deal at age 31. Uh, How close are their numbers – how close are their numbers, like, career numbers?
0: All right, well, I can pull them up for you here shortly. I mean, see, I think Cole's career numbers are are skewed by his time in Pittsburgh because he's clearly not been the same pitcher um, since moving to Houston. So, what's going to happen when he
2: moves out of Houston is a good question. I would – I would say right, right. and I'm he's he to Houston stuff, or is he going go right, to go back to Pittsburgh
1: think, stuff? I don't think you can necessarily say that his numbers are skewed. Uh, I think I mean he, he certainly he improved. Lot, yes, he got a lot better in uh, in Houston, obviously, and he performed better. But I don't think that's necessary. Like to me, saying it's skewed is 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 adding a variable outside of the game. Fair. You know what I mean? Fair. I, Fair. I think he just got better. Like right, right. I don't. But think I'm necessary.
0: saying, like, in the context of his career numbers, like they are going to look different because I think there's like two. If you like, what I'm trying to say, I guess, not necessarily skewed, is but like, there were two Garrett Coles. There was the like, pretty good Garrett Cole, lately? and then there was the excellent Garrett Cole. And there's a very clear distinction between those two pitchers. But their career numbers actually are so similar, which I think is really fascinating. Couple interesting points to make on that: um, Strasburg twenty nine percent strikeout rate, Cole twenty eight percent. Both of them walk have walked exactly six and a half percent of batters over their careers. Career ERA: Cole th- three twenty two, Strasburg three seventeen, Phipps, three oh six for Cole, two ninety six for Steven Strasburg. If we look at the last two years, though, you know it's 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 a, it's a very different story, right? Cole striking out thirty seven hitter percent of hitters over the last two years versus strasburg still very good but not quite as elite 29 percent um with, with cole's era being 268 strasburg's being 348 and his fit being 267 versus strasburg's 339 so in the context also
2: worth pointing out that cole did all of that in the american league while strasburg did in the national league
0: right Fair. which which would imply that cole well, I mean, Cole's staying in the American League, but you know, the American League is well, higher run environment's Is
2: a better pitcher. That's well, yeah, I get what you're saying, but I think Cole's numbers would be even better if he got to face the pitcher every, well, not every nine right. years because of pinch hitters, but if he got to face him as often as Strasburg
0: did. And, um, and, and on years. a war on a war basis, uh, Cole's been worth five more wins than Strasburg over the last two years, and Strasburg's only been worth eight, so he's been worth, um, you know. The, I'm trying to do the math in my head. Like what? Sixty-seven percent more war. Sixty-two percent uh, more war. Yeah.
1: Strasburg missed some time. Was it last year? Uh, I think in eighteen. That's a, that's not, when I say last year. I mean last. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Yes, yes. Okay, yeah, yes. So, so how much time did he miss in eighteen?
0: He only pitched 130 innings, which is like 70 short of a full he started, season.
1: He had like so, two thirds of his usual starts. Yeah. So, so add a, if you add, uh, if you add a third, let's just say he was worth what he was worth when he was healthy, add a third more war in that year. How far apart are they in the two years?
0: Well, okay. Um, if, if we give Strasburg the same number of innings as Cole, which effectively does the same thing, if we say they pitch the same number of innings, uh, Strasburg would have been at 9.9 war and Cole's at 13. So still pretty, Cole's pretty clearly, has been the better pitcher, which is what makes sense. And the fact that he's younger, you know, got him those extra years and he's getting paid a ton more. So like, it all makes sense how it worked out. But I I think it's an interesting question in the context of the contracts is Cole that much better to warrant that much larger of a deal. So do you think
2: that the Yankees are the best division in baseball now, if they weren't before with Cole on the Yankees now?
0: Best Rotation, overall,
2: that, or like no, if, if the if that AL East overall is the best, like the strongest division, with Cole on the Yankees.
0: I mean, I think the Yankees are clearly the best team, so that certainly helps. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe not clearly, but I think by the end of the off season, I think they the three, it,
2: be, the three the best third team also, whether that be the Rays or the Red Sox.
0: Right. Um. I mean, looking at projected war um on fan graphs the the AL East has the second best team, the fourth best team and the fifth best team so that would certainly support the argument yeah
1: right uh, the Taylor, what do you think I, I don't know i i uh you know i think this 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 offseason is going to be interesting cuz there are like there are so many people that are out there to be signed that are valuable and like are worth are worth wins above replacement and on top of that are like valuable inside the clubhouse as well. Like almost more than normal that like, there's, there's a lot of signings that still have to happen. And, yes. and I think that, you know, that kind of stuff can really shape divisions, especially, you know, for example, you talk about a team like, uh, like the angels, you know, they, they right. make the huge splash and they go get Rendon and obviously everybody knows they've already got trout. Um, but who's to say that they go get, um, you know, uh, a decent another decent starting pitcher and maybe a couple really good clubhouse guys? Like, that's a really good team, right? You know, I mean, I, I, they're yeah. really good without with. I mean, shoot, I feel like they're like, uh, like you know that that one two punch is that is that the best one two punch in baseball? B- oh, which, for sure. I mean,
0: Trout and Rendon, sure.
1: yeah. No doubt is it the it. is it the best in a while? I think um, it's
2: fair to say that because even if you put like Trout with an average player, you almost have one of the best one two punches in baseball just cuz Trout is that good. And then you put him right. up with arguably one of the top 5 position players in baseball. I think it is safe to say that it is one of the best we've had in a while. I don't know the last time we've had anything this good. Back on like So
0: Yeah, I mean I I think like like I'm looking at it from a war perspective. I think an underrated good one-two punch over the last few years has been Jose Ramirez and Francisco Lindor in Cleveland. And they're
2: both switch hitters, which is really – Right,
0: which is – yeah, that's – I mean, those are the only – so like on the top ten in war, those are the only two guys – top ten in war over the last three years, those are the only two guys to play for the same team. So it seems like it would be them. But over the last three years, Trout's number one in war and Rendon's number four in war. I mean, yeah, that that could be really the –
1: let me throw. It's crazy. Let me throw, let me throw this sneaky one out for you. All right, Freddie Freeman, Ronald Acuna.
2: That is a good one, but I think that, that is a good I would one. say that Trout is significantly better than Acuna, and Rendon. I would say at worst is the
1: same as Freeman. So
2: I don't see how you could put that the put the Braves higher than the Angels.
1: No, no, no. I don't <laughs> think. I mean, that's. I just I thought that's a that's one that like a lot. I feel like a lot of people are not going to look at because when people talk about the Braves now, they talk about. Albies and Acuna and you almost like not not, you know, people that look into it, but I feel like the average baseball fan now has almost forgot that they have, you know, one of the best first basemen in baseball.
0: Yeah, Right. And I I think there's other really, really good one, two punches out there. Bogarts and Betts, Bregman and I'll take your pick of Altuve or Springer or even someone like um, Semyon and and your boy Matt Chapman. I think are very underrated. One-two punch when you take into account defense. Bryant and the, Baez,
1: obviously, a, up
2: there somewhere.
1: Right. Hey, who's, the, who's the best third baseman in uh, in the AL West? Oh my God, that's such a good question. Oh that, we have Aaron
2: Arenado and Story. I was sure. just about to say, who's the best third baseman in the West? Right. right because especially, yeah, I was thinking about um, they're going to have like what, and you still got someone like Justin Turner. If if a guy like Chris Bryant gets traded out west. You probably have what, seven of the top eight third baseman out in the
0: West? Just off the top of my head. Also, like depends where Donaldson signs. I mean, it seems like Texas is out on Donaldson, but he could theoretically sign with the Rangers. That could happen. I mean, that'd be crazy.
2: Yeah. Would you rather trade for Bryant or sign Donaldson? If you're just like a, a team, like not a non specific team.
1: Uh you know, yep. I think I think here's here's your option and I and the reason I think this is uh, this is even a conversation is because I'm going to bring up a uh, an example in Paul Goldschmidt. the The Cardinals go and and trade two pretty good pieces, like Luke Weaver and Carson Kelly, was a were, was a controllable starter that was a first rounder and a controllable catcher that is. I mean, obviously, you saw what he did last year. Like he's he's good enough to play every day. And they traded two pieces for one year of Paul Goldschmidt. And I think – I have no idea, but I feel like that was done to show Paul Goldschmidt like the environment and, and how St. Louis was, and it worked. They got to extend him. So I wonder like, if you're a team, just like you said, you have the option. Do you take Donaldson for four years, or do you trade somebody – you're gonna have to give up. A, you know, it's gonna be a, a monster trade to get Chris Bryant. Do you make that monster trade to try and show Chris Bryant, like try to like swoon him? You know what I mean, like right? Like yeah, it's like a recruiting trip. Right. I think yeah, Chris I, Bryant's it, gonna be hard to extend, though. I think that I,
0: I, I like agree. For
2: agency, regardless of how he feels about his the current situation, whether whether he goes back to his former team or if he. uh goes to another team, I don't know. But I don't think he's going to sign an extension
0: with right. whether it's, and,
2: the Cubs or another team.
0: And I think from an outsider's perspective, um, I think the grievance also demonstrates a potential. Uh, we, we don't have to get into this too much, but I think the grievance, I think, plays into Jeremy's point. I think if Bryant wasn't so interested in potentially testing free agency, I don't know that that would be as big of an issue. I think certainly there's something to be said about what happened with the service time. And I think those rules absolutely need to be adopted, but I also think that also can lend itself to Jeremy's overall point.
1: Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, I think anybody, anybody would make that claim if they felt like that was the case. Um, right. But, but, you know, and I think that, so, I mean, basically what you're asking yourself then, cause you're going to, you're probably going to pay pretty similar, right, for two years of Chris as you would for, let's just say, two years. I understand you're going to get Josh Allison for, what's the guess at this point? It's four years, right?
2: Yeah, I or mean, yeah, somewhere in there.
1: So so you're probably going to play relatively similar for Chris for two years or Josh for two years. You're just guaranteed to have Josh for two more after that. So I feel like it's as a team, you have to be either, okay, are we going to win in the next two years or are we going to win in the next four years?
2: Right. Does Donaldson being 34 next year scare you at all? I feel like not a lot of people are talking that like if he did not have, I mean, besides the, I mean, obviously he did have the bounce back here that he had last year, but if he was like he was the year before, no one would be talking about him with a, like a fourth of the contract that he's talking about right now. Right. And fairly so he had a great year at 33, but are you really going to say four years for a hundred million for a 34, 35 36, 37 year old, is that gonna be worth it? If you're if you're aiming to contend in the last two years, is he gonna be the guy that you can you can build around?
0: I, I think that's a fair question. But I think like also like, you know, two, three, you know, three, four years from now, Donaldson's only gonna cost you money. Bryant's also arguably gonna exactly. cost you part of your yes. future. Exactly. Right? I mean, if if Donaldson becomes a sunk cost in year four of the contract, he becomes a sunk cost in year four of the contract. Bryant has more long-term implications. I think Bryant is the better player. He has a higher ceiling for many reasons, including the fact that he's younger. And obviously that would imply that Donaldson's best days are behind him, which they clearly are. And Bryant still has MVP-type ceiling. And so I think that's where you have to evaluate, does that difference in talent level make the, you know, is that so significant that it's worth the prospect's versus just the money.
1: I think if you're a team that wants to win and you have the ability to Chris to get Chris Bryant, you go get Chris Bryant. That's I my opinion. And I, I think the same thing can be said about a lot of these guys that are on the trade market, but especially Chris. Like if you're a team that says, okay, we want to win and we want to win now, you're you're just you just said it yourself. You're talking about a guy that was an MVP three years ago. So you have the ability to get him, you get him. I, I do, you think, would, do you think he gets traded this offseason or do you think he's a club on opening day? I don't know. I honestly I honestly have, have no idea. Um, I mean I think he's an extremely I think he's almost underrated at this point. Like Agreed. I, I really do. I really think that like after the MVP year, the numbers weren't as gaudy and people kinda like didn't look at him the same. But his numbers were better. His OPS went up. He was yep. a, he he got better. And then now he's moving around the field a little bit, so he's not your everyday third baseman. So same thing. People kind of take their eye off of him, but same thing. When you look at the numbers, they're still up every year. It's like it's like very much like in my opinion, like the conversation we had about um, Arenado in that like he's Chris is one of those guys that no matter what happens. You know, he had, a, he had a pretty tough start to this season. And at the end of the year, it doesn't matter. At the end of the year, he's putting up these big numbers. Right. Like, and, and there's something to be said about that.
0: Absolutely. And I, I think, like, Jeremy, to answer your question from my perspective, I might not have good of a, as good of a handle on this. I mean, the two, Donaldson and Bryant, are going to be linked for sure. Because I, I, so much of Bryant's trade market depends on where Donaldson signs. I think if Donaldson signs somewhere, I think Washington does recognize they need an upgrade at third base. They're the ones who just lost Rendon. And I think once we see where Donaldson ends up, that could ca- cause them to be more willing to act on the trade market. Um, because, you know, they're, they're willing to spend the money for Donaldson. I think Bob Nightingale or someone someone reported the other day that the nationals were pacing that market uh, for for Brian or excuse me for Donaldson. So I think my, my answer is like, it depends where Donaldson
1: goes. Okay. I got, I got two questions for you two to answer one. uh, Do you think the Josh Donaldson market affects Chris's trade value more or the other way around? Do you think like if, like where Chris go? Like, let's just say, let's just say Chris gets traded. If Chris gets traded or doesn't get traded, does that affect Josh Donaldson more than Josh Donaldson signing? Like, does that make sense?
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. Jeremy, do you want uh, to take it?
1: Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, I would say, <clears throat> I would say that
2: probably not as much as people are going to say it is because they're the same teams are going to be in on presumably both of them, with the exception of like the Rangers who have said that they're out on Donaldson. I don't even know if they're in on Bryant but there are multiple teams that need third baseman. So I don't see that Chris Bryant getting traded somewhere would really affect Donaldson's value because there's still teams that contending teams that are going to still want to sign the third baseman. And I, I just think, don't think that like if Chris Bryant were to get traded, I don't think his value would go, would go up or down. I don't know if that that's a bad explanation. I just don't think I, that there's enough teams there that it's not going that's, to that, no, have that's that big fine. of a, unless he gets traded I mean, for a ton of prospects, then maybe Donaldson gets looked at in a higher, higher light with, uh,
0: that. So you
1: don't think you don't think that uh, Chris's market brings him down, but it could potentially bring it up. Yeah, is what you're saying. Okay.
0: Yeah, I would say so. I I guess I don't know. For me, I think it. I think Donaldson has more of an impact on Mar- on Brian's value than the other way around. And I think my reasoning comes from the fact that Donaldson has to sign somewhere. Like he's yeah. not going to be unsigned yeah. on opening day. He eventually. There's more of a motivation for him to find a new team than there is for the Cubs to trade Bryant, and so as a result, the Cubs would never pull the trigger on a Bryant trade before Donaldson signs, unless they were blown away for, with an offer. I think yeah. that's how it, um, that's what it comes down to, because no team is going to be desperate enough to blow the Cubs away with an offer with Donaldson 100%. just sitting out yeah. out there. And I think like you know you you can draw some parallels to the Madison Bumgarner market. Because, you know, all these teams, the White Sox, the Twins, the Angels, the Dodgers, they still need starting pitching. And then Madison Bumgarner goes and signs with none of them. So now the starting pitching that's still out there, Keiko and Ryu, their values go up because there's still four teams who are willing to spend money on starting pitching. And now there's one fewer starting pitcher who, was get, who signed with one of those teams who's so hungry to fill that yeah. need.
2: It's a game of musical chairs where, like, one of the chairs just got taken away all of a sudden with no one sitting there. It's like...
0: Exactly. With, with the
2: Baumgartner trade. It's like four people going for three spots, and then one of the chairs is gone all of a sudden. What happened? Now everyone's more desperate to get in
0: each of the chairs. It, that's a great metaphor. Um, because, like, right, the Diamondbacks just came out of nowhere. And really, the only reason the Diamondbacks signed there is basically because Madison Bumgarner said, I want to play in Arizona, and just took an offer that he deemed to be relatively fair and, and is happy with that. And, he, you know, he's a free agent. He has every right to go do that. He has horses in Arizona. I mean, it's it's fine by me, but it now makes everyone else more desperate for starting pitching, which would have a positive impact um, for the player in the cases of Dallas Keuchel and Ryu. Yeah,
2: I think a lot of people, including myself, were very surprised with Bumgarner going to Arizona. But I think looking back on it, like, why was everyone so surprised? Just because we hadn't heard their them being in on many of the big free agents. But they were very close to making the playoffs. If they got hot at the end of the year, They could have made the wild card game and they're in a very similar situation as they're in a better situation than many of the teams that are that are in on these guys like the White Sox and the Angels. They were significantly better than both of them last year, but everyone was so surprised when they uh, when they signed Bumgarner. But looking back, like, should we have been that surprised?
1: Right. And they're I mean, I mean, they're a good team. Like you look at that team and, and they had some injuries last year on top of you know, everything else, but they had some injuries last year that, had they not had some injuries, who knows? Like they may have made the playoffs. Right. Like why would they not try if they were so close last year? Well, I mean, right. that, that's see, and that, and that should be, in my opinion, like that should be every team's like every team should try. Like there,
0: yep. there's no like totally and, agree.
1: And, and you know, that, and that's kind of my point with Chris is like, if you have the ability to do it, if you have guys in the, and the Cubs say, that's who we want, and you get it. You go get him. Like, uh, okay. So, right. here, here was my second question about uh, about Chris. There was a rumor online, um, on somewhere that the nat- talking about the Nationals, and it said something like um, the national Nash- the, the I think it said the Cubs were wanted something centered around Robles. Um, that was like the rumor that was on Twitter or something, right? Um. If you are either team, uh, like both sides of that, how do you guys look at that? I think
2: that a lot. Well, I know you're a you're a former Cubs player, so you definitely know the team a lot better than I do. But I think Victor Robles is the guy that a lot of Cubs fans think that Albert Almora is. Nothing against Almora, but I think that many Cubs fans like look at Almora without looking at the numbers and like, wow, he got a, a quick uh, defensive outfielder who like can hit pretty well and like is a stud in the outfield. And I think that Almora is not all that many think he is just by watching him play because he makes some mistakes, a lot of weak contact to the left side. He's not actually that fast. But I think Robles is the dude. He's the, defense, he's the center fielder that the Cubs have been looking for, for since they, since they started his father left, honestly, because they've been putting Hayward out there, Al Moore's been there, but they haven't really had that guy out there. And Robles is consistently one of the best outfielders, defensive outfielders in baseball. And if he can hit anything remotely close to average, he's a really good player. That said, I think if the Cubs trade Chris Bryant, I I don't think they can seriously say that they're that they're serious about contending, having
1: traded their their best player. Is okay. And now, I mean, like you know, obviously he, like we said, he won the MVP three years ago. But if you have to pick a Cub right now to be the Cubs' best player, is it Chris or is it Javi?
2: I would say Chris Bryant. I think Bryant Bryant. is more. I think Bryant's more consistent, and I'm a big fan of guys that get on base a lot. And Javi is very exciting, and he probably brings in more fans than Bryant does just because Bryant isn't as flashy. But Bryant is the consistent get-on-base nearly 40% of the time. He's going to hit you 30 homers. And Baez is very consistent in in his power and his defense as well. I just like a guy like Chris. He is very established out there. He's been good for five years straight now. Even last year with his injury, he was still a a good – not last year, like two years ago. With it was with his injury, he was really good. But I think his floor is a lot higher than Baez is. And while I think Bias is a fantastic player, I would take Bryant over
0: Bias for for next year if you're looking at one year only. I guess from to answer the the question about the Nationals, uh, me I mean I, I'm again I'm not a Na- Nationals fan, but I do follow the team pretty closely considering they're the local team for me, and I think the Nationals could replace Robles with Michael A. Taylor. And, like, if we think about the Nationals' window of contention, right, like, their starters are all kind of getting old. Like, how, how – like, this is kind of an open question. How many more years do the Nationals really have where they're, like, perennial World Series contenders? Like, if we say that every year since they started winning the division, they had a shot at the World Series, which I think is fair, how many more years of it are left? Two? Three? I mean –
2: I think they're worse than they were two years ago when they well, when they kept getting bounced in the playoffs. But I, I mean they still, still a, got they're still a playoff four, contending team. They still
0: got three good starters. Sure.
2: Yeah, they're still a playoff I think, contending team. Anything with Scherzer and Strasburg is going to do hopefully well in the playoffs with those two guys pitching for you. Yeah, I mean they're, and Corbin they're a team obviously.
1: That just that, that, that wins. You know? They're right. not they're not your like you don't they're not the on paper. Like favorites, right? Like even last year, they they weren't the on paper favorites, but they just went out. And even like Davey talked, like they just won. And I think there's something to be said about that. And that's like kind of my point uh, when I said earlier about like the guys that you have to sign this year, you know, like the guys last year, like when they went out and, and, and got a guy like Howie Kendrick, that nobody would have, if you would have told somebody that Howie Kendrick would have had arguably the biggest hit in the world series before the year started last year, nobody would have believed you, but he did. And I think there's something to be said about having a bunch of gamers on that team. And I think that pitching staff is also part of that. And kind of like you said it, but like, man, as long as Max Scherzer, or Steven Strasburg are healthy, that one, two punch is dangerous. Right. And when you get to, so it's like, it's like get them to the playoffs you know what I mean like yes you're gonna see you're gonna have three starters in the playoffs so so get that team to the playoffs and I would be and like they're gonna be good every as long as they can get to the playoffs they're gonna be good every
2: year and Trey
1: I feel like is a guy that like
2: I watch and whenever I watch him he always is like just seems like such an annoying guy to play against like even the games that like he doesn't have a particularly good hitting game he just looks like that kind of guy that like you know, like, if you face him in a playoff series, like, you know he's going to do damage one way or the other. hes I'd be so annoyed if I was the player on an opposing team
0: against right, Trey Turner. Right. I, I guess my question was more along the lines of, yeah, the Nationals, like, are always going to kind of be in contention. But uh, my, mine was more of, like, an age-based question, right? We talked about Strasburg's 31. Max Scherzer had injury issues at the end of last season. He, he actually had got scratched from a World Series start due to back spasms. And, you know, so he's he's 35 now. Um, and, and Corbin himself, I feel like we think of him as this young guy, but he mm-hmm. is also 30. So They should
2: trade, they should trade eight so, years of Juan Soto's age and, like, take two years off of all the other guys.
0: Right, exactly. <laughs> so Soto's <laughs> um, but, but,
2: 29, but all of those guys, like, are two years
0: younger. Right, but I guess my question I, I is more so. along the lines of if the Nationals only have, like, two or three good years from these – three starters left like in the aggregate that makes Bryant that much more appealing because Robles is still young and might deal with some more inconsistency. And like, and like Jeremy said, Bryant is one of the most consistent players in baseball with one of the highest floors and an extremely high ceiling. I think that's a situation where you got to think short-term in short-term Bryant's a huge upgrade, one that you definitely have to go out and get.
1: I think we, we talked about this next piece i'm about to bring up too in a a previous episode um but these two guys are especially you know max scherzer is the epitome of that guy that we talked about with like cole hamels and justin verlander he's that guy in his mid-30s throwing his best innings and you're now gonna get steven strasberg who even though i believe his velo dipped a little bit uh i don't know that but i believe i've i've heard that uh, yes he's he's pitching better so i i think that you know you could run into a case of having you know two of these mid-30s studs like you're talking about guys that are putting up career like you know de- the some of the best players of the decade numbers and you have two right and so i don't I, and yes the injuries obviously but I think injuries are so like relatively hit or miss that if if we're talking about they're on the field if they're on the field even after the injury and they're still putting up the numbers I think you have to consider the fact that look there's a chance that they stay healthy the entire contract right, and if right. They No, stay that's fair the entire contract then and I understand I understand that you have to but we're not talking about you know this, the Strasburg stuff seemingly like last year was good for him so, right. and, and yes, the Scherzer thing, I understand, but dude, I mean, that guy's got put to pitch with a broken nose. I mean, oof. yeah. so I, I don't know. So I, I, just, I guess my I just,
0: follow-up question for you then is Taylor is if you think the nationals may have more years of this window left than someone like I do, is it more imperative that you keep Robles knowing that he'll be around for more years than Bryant, who may only be around for two years, uh,
1: I think. Uh, you know, I think it's. I think a little bit of it depends on um, how you feel about Robles. Honestly, if you're the Nationals, I think that's that's kind of my bottom dollar. And obviously, I don't know how they feel, um, but I think it depends how you value Robles. I don't know what the upcoming market looks like for outfielders. The only guy that I know currently. You have uh, the the Japanese guy, um, what, Shogo or something? Isn't that right? Yeah, the center fielder. Um, And I know that a lot of people are saying that he's like, some guys are saying that he's going to be a platoon guy. I I don't really know, but um, I think it all depends. I don't really know how the outfield market looks. And I think that that plays a big role into it, especially on a team that has, you know, apparently has some money to spend. So, well, Relatively, if they, they said they have money but also couldn't – they, they couldn't sign both Rendon and um, Strasburg or whatever, whatever it was, right? Like whatever the, the rumors were. But, um, you know, I think that that also plays a role in it. Like are there going to be center fielders within the next couple of years that I can go get to fill that role as well?
0: So, something that would humor me would be the Nationals trading Robles for Bryant. And then signing Ozuna and then moving Adam Eden to center field. <laughs> Adam Eden,
2: if I recall, is not a good center
1: fielder though. Like okay, his defensive numbers are not good in center field. How about this one? What if they what, if they, traded oh, ben, yeah, that's what true. if they traded what if they traded Robles for Chris and then uh traded somebody else to Boston for Jackie Bradley Jr. Or, or ben, just ben, Mookie yeah. Betts.
2: Apparently Ben and has been in talks also.
1: But is Ben been going to be a center
2: fielder? He can play center, I think. Right?
0: I yeah, know. I mean these these are all extreme. He has played some center. He's been he's been fine. Defensive run save doesn't like him, but UZR is like fine with him. I mean these are all like hypotheticals. I think in all reality is if the Nationals did make some sort of trade, they'd be banking on Michael A. Taylor in center field at least for the first half of the year, and so Taylor's they could evaluate. Fine. You know, Taylor's fine, right? right. Like, and seriously, he, and,
1: and a couple of years ago, he put up like a a pretty really good year, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, in 2017, he was worth three war. He was had a 104 weighted runs created plus. Um, he still struck out 32% of the time that year, and he was really aided by a 363 bat hit. But if you think he's like an 80 weighted runs created plus true talent level with plus Good defense, outfield. you know, he could be like a, a 1.5 to 1.8 war player, and the question is, is like, is Robles' back in the cu- turnaround really improve to the point where he's that much better than that.
1: Yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, I think that there's options. I thought, you know, one thing that I, I think, I think it was you, Devin. I think you tweeted this. Um, I liked it was when the Kluber trade went down and not talking about any of the players, but like the concept of the war and like one player being worth three war is not equal to three bla- players being worth one war. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. I mean, that was you, right? Yes. Okay. I just think that's like that's an interesting concept that that I'd never heard before. Y-
0: yeah. So I think like that I, the theory like should be circulated more than it probably is because I think a lot of people when they break down trades, especially when both teams are acquiring major leaguers, like in the case of the Corey Kluber trade, when the Indians got back Emmanuel Clace, I don't, I don't know how I think it's a. Clausé when they oh, got I back Emmanuel Clausé and Delino De Shields Jr. you know I I I think I tweeted that before we knew the return because I was expecting what Better what I was players. expecting to happen was the Indians trading away Corey Kluber who we have no idea what his WAR is going to be next year but let's say it's 3 and getting back like three guys who are like one more players and then everyone be like oh well it's kind of equal but that's not true because there's a scarcity Right. You know, Mike Trout is worth 10 war and he only takes up one roster spot. So that allows you to fill your other roster spots with other guys who could be worth more war. So, you know, three having three one war players on your team is not that helpful. Yeah, it might equal the same in wins, but like having a three war player, you know, allows you to fill those roster spots with other war. And that's kind of the interdependency of roster construction.
1: Yeah, it's, it, it was just I, that was a very interesting um, concept. Okay, so let's let's take war. Let's take war. This will be a good one for you too, as as well to debate. I hope you debate. I hope you guys have a different opinion on this one. Gosh dang it! So we, you know, the past year or a couple years, there was uh, Pat Vendetti, right the the switch pitcher. Okay, so if I told you that I had a switch pitcher that could you had you had two options he could either switch pitch in a game he's he is let's just say he's uh he's got average major league average stuff on both sides i don't know what that is but let's just say he has that do you think it would be more valuable for that player to pitch one game as a switch pitcher or Have the ability to pitch two games, one right handed and one left handed, if he could do so.
2: Oh my gosh.
1: I would say easily pitching two games.
2: If he's an average pitcher from both sides, you're basically getting two average starts in a row. Or like if you're giving him a day's rest to like think a little bit in between the starts. But I think that even if he is a significantly above average pitcher in the one game he pitches, because you're going to have the platoon advantage against everyone except for switch hitters if you're pitching him in, in one game. Say he right. pitches a complete game. You're going to have this the platoon advantage of probably like 30 of the 35 batters you face. I don't know how many switch hitters are on the other team, whatever. But I think that just being able to get two of your five spots in the rotation filled by one guy right. who is an average pitcher is significantly more valuable than having a, maybe a slightly above average to like a good start uh, by for
0: one one start of your five. Yeah, this is a really interesting question and I'm trying to think, figure out how you try and like answer it mathematically, but I think it comes down to something like how much is the platoon advantage worth? And well, like it's worth it, like... more against left-handed hitters, right? So well, like if, if you're that's... a left-handed pitcher, lefties hit worse against you than if you're a right-handed pitcher facing a
1: righty. Right. So I think yeah, one thing one thing I don't think you guys are are putting into perspective as well though is although he's starting two games right he may only end up throwing nine innings in the two games if he throws that one game there's a better chance that he goes I mean obviously there's a better chance he goes deeper into that game because he's throwing with one arm each right like
0: and always has the platoon advantage
1: so like there's a chance that you don't have to use your bullpen on that day so it's all so, yes, you you are getting two guys in one, but and I'm just playing devil's advocate. It's just a it's a cool, it's a fun, it question. is a good, it is a good question. It is,
0: it's a good question, yeah,
1: you know. I mean, and and look, this is this could never happen because no, you know, these guys, even though the arm is not getting your body still getting used, yeah, so right. When, so, so the concept with like him being able to throw nine just because he's only using one arm, obviously, but. I do think it adds something to it. Like if we say, if, if you're looking at it analytically, and you say, "Hey, this guy's got a better chance to go eight every every game because he can throw with both hands," or am I going to take the chance that he go because he's average? So he's if an average starter. Go. I, actually, that's interesting. I don't, what? How? How far? If you take the raise out of it, how? Uh, how? Like how deep into the like Five and a half innings. Like how deep into a game does a major? I would guess today?
2: five and a half innings would seem. It's
1: like five probably and a half. around there.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, here here's an so, interesting question that can only be answered by a switch pitcher. I don't even think you'd be able to answer it as just a general baseball player. But if you're if you're going out there and saying like, okay, I'm gonna switch pitch against everyone on the other team, like I'm gonna go if they're a righty, I'm gonna pitch righty. If I'm the lefty, I'm gonna pitch lefty. Do you think that? How, like I guess this quite comes like I guess the question that relates like how much of a mind game baseball is. But if if Bandetti or whoever switch pitcher is out there, like cannot hit, cannot hit their spot with their right arm. Do you think that would affect their ability to pitch with their left arm as well? Like, do you think it gets in their head, or do you think that like they're too independent? Like, because if like if like he's if he walks the first two guys righty, is he gonna be thinking about that while he's throwing lefty? I'm like, yeah, it's the other hand, but like, it's still the same person. So I feel like he'd
1: be yeah. worse off as a result oh my goodness you know what i'm saying no i i don't think so i i understand what you're saying um i definitely think you, you gotta i mean you'd have to be mentally you know and that's a big you know that's a big part of this game now is the mental stuff and everybody's got mental coaches and mental teams to help us with that um and it's really cool it's a cool part of the game um but yeah i mean you would definitely have to have some mental fortitude because you're right like if you went out there and you walked a guy righty and you walked a guy righty and then you got to go from the left side and you walk a guy lefty well shoot now what like yeah. now you've tried both i'll sides. kick it next time <laughs> yeah uh, right i'll roll it to him <laughs> yeah it's interesting
2: yeah, yeah so that kind of brings question. up that kind of brings up a guy like a show i think there's been a lot of debate since he came up and even more so since he got hurt what do you do with him do you keep him as a designated hitter for three games out of your five and then a starter for the other one if you're, well, I guess three out of the six and then a starter for the other game. Because I, think, I think he was starting to, like
0: once a week, right? Right, so let's I mean, he, he starts
2: one out of every six team games. He sits twice and he starts at DH three times because they want to send him before and after he pitches. I don't know if Men's going to do the same, but that's what they've been doing. Is he more valuable doing that than if he was a full-scale DH and came out of the bullpen or if he was just a full-scale outfielder? without pitching at all, or if he was a full-scale pitcher. I guess that's a really interesting question. That Eventually, I think the Angels, as Otani gets older, they're going to have to probably come to terms with that he probably won't be able to do both. Once he gets like, I mean, even now, there have been a lot of people suggesting that he'd be one of the best outfielders in baseball if he was a permanent right fielder with his arm. Is it worth starting him for 20 games or 25 games? I think right now it is because the Angels' starting rotation is not good at all. They need the ace out there. But for how
1: long is right. it worth it? I, I, I mean, I, I, yeah. go ahead, Taylor. I think that uh, starting pitching is always valuable, and kind of like the the multi win player, an effective starting pitcher is always going to be hunted for. So a guy that's an above average starter is always going to be more valuable, right than than your best bullpen guy, even. Um, right. So. So in my opinion, I think you have to let him start. I think, you know, I, I thought I was really excited when he came over here initially because just such a cool concept, right? Yeah, me too. This guy was going to do this, Um, you know, and the question that I threw out to guys was not if, because everybody knew that look, because the, the, the question mark was not on the arm. Everybody was like, shoot, dude, he's, he throws a hundred. He's going to be fine. And, (laughs) and, and what, like, and he's they hit the question mark was the hitting you know so be it my question was what would what do you think would have happened if you were the angels and he would have come up and hit well and not pitched well i think that i see moving in the bullpen i mean he has
2: the stuff to be an insane bullpen guy I think the other right? thing the issue he has the stuff to be an insane pitching. starter that is true, but if he was having trouble starting, I think it's a lot easier to go from the from starting to the re, to the bullpen than it is vice versa. Oh, right, right.
0: Yeah. right, right. I
2: totally see them doing that because then he could DH more if he's only going to pitch an inning every other game at most. Because then right. you no, DH him and then no. just bring see, him in to pitch.
1: See, and that's where so I don't I don't think you could eventually do that because if you put him in the pin, now you lose him you either lose your DH or you have to have you well you're going to lose your DH and you're going to have to have pinch hitters or you're going to have to put it. Well, at that point,
2: you can just move him to right field at that point. Because then you're really not losing anything when you bring him in a pitch. You just put another right fielder.
1: It, it doesn't. You can't do that.
2: You can't?
0: You can't. Wait, no. If Wait.
1: He couldn't. Because he, he, then he'd come he, out he, of the lineup. He could not leave the DH position. Well, I'm wait, saying wait, if wait. wait a, hold if on. he came in as a right fielder instead. Like, if he's, yeah. If he's, like, let's oh, say oh. he
0: started the, the game like on the bench. Like, not in the bullpen. And then they moved him to the right field for an inning, and then moved him to pitcher and put, like, someone else in right field. Would you lose okay. the DH? He didn't get move from the lineup, though, right?
1: Yeah, you would lose your DH. And you're and – also, this is still – you're still losing Shohei Otani. So right. you're not getting him to hit anyway. So either right. way, right. he's not playing. And now he's just pitching less. Now, he's pitching, right. he's pitching more often, but – like you guys are talking about you're talking about him playing less often to try to keep him healthy well now he's going to be pitching more often and the arm is what you're worried about yeah i mean well, I think if, you're, if you're
2: saying that he can't start then like you may as well try him in the no run no run. Yeah, before no, you just no, cancel
1: like the pitching it. altogether i was just going to your your question now i'm going back to your question now
0: i mean I, I, to answer like the initial question of like yeah. what to do like in the event that both doesn't work or like the current system doesn't work. I totally agree with Taylor in that starting pitching is so scarce that I think if he had to choose one, I would choose to to pitch him. And as a starter, I think you can draw parallels to the Nationals decision regarding Rendon and Strasburg. Rendon might be the better player. He might be a better player over the course of the contract, but starting pitching is so much more scarce that if you only can sign one, I think there's a very valid argument to keep Strasbourg over Rendon, and it's not a perfect comparison, but I think there's a lesson to be said there that like starting pitching has added value because of just how scarce and how important it is.
1: Yeah, I mean i i i, I see i see honestly like if it keeps going like it is, I think the Otani thing keeps working like it does. Like that oh, is Oh, I agree. And and on top it, of that, uh you know historically joe has been an innovator in this game right like he has done things that others haven't so like i don't see anything of of anything major changing there i think that still gets to happen i think he gets to play at least whatever you know always he playing 3 days of catch or hitting 3 days a week
2: yeah 3 uh, of the 6 and then he'd start one of the 6 and then sit two of the 6 and maybe pinch hit yeah. one of those two.
1: right no, so i, I mean i don't
2: i think they should right now but as he gets older, it's something – I think a lot of people have pointed to the fact that he'd probably be one of the best outfielders in baseball if he was a permanent right fielder. Because not only are you getting the bat, you're probably getting an improved bat because he can focus all on hitting. You, all, you have the arm strength. And he's also one of the faster guys in, in the game. He'd steal probably 30 bases. I mean, once he got his – once it was announced uh, that he wasn't going to pitch anymore, he stole, like, five bags in the last, like, eight games of the year or something like that. So like he'd probably be a big stolen base threat too as a right fielder, and not to not to say that that's more valuable than what he's doing now, but that is certainly something to, to consider, right. especially as he gets older if the arm okay. isn't working out. But it okay, is for take now. take
1: take a could you take the could you extrapolate the offensive year and the pitching year and figure out how much better he is on either side for if he if he were to play a full year at at that rate.
0: I mean. Um, like, I mean, you could just do, like, war per whatever, right?
1: I mean, so, if have, you look at his
0: pitching.
2: I don't – you'd have to say that – but we would be saying that Otani would be a right fielder now instead of a DH. And that brings a lot okay. more defensive value I, than what his – Oh, his that, that's, that's doing. true. And, his, and all of the people in Japan said that he was a strong defensive outfielder with a good arm. So, you're probably adding about 20 runs just from the fact that he's not
0: I, DHing. I'd imagine he, he would have a good arm.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, i probably – so. You know, okay, he so, think, so has,
2: he's a six-war right fielder per year.
1: In a okay, four so or five. So, war then, so then here's the question for you two: Is is a six war right fielder? Which, if he was a six war right fielder, would that make him the best right fielder in baseball? He'd be probably second or third to Bats and Judge. Yeah. Okay. Is the third best right fielder in baseball worth
2: Yelich? Worth?
1: A, oh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Well, it depends if what, what outfield Yelich is
2: playing. But yeah, that, him too.
1: Let's just say top five. We'll say top five. Yeah, yeah. Is, is a top five right fielder in baseball worth a number two, potentially number one starter?
0: Well, how many war are we saying that he's worth as a starter? Five? Four and a half? Four to five.
1: I'd say four to five. Okay, for let's, if we say that they he's four and a half,
0: that would have been 16th best. Right. And so, so like is,
1: a... is, the, is the fifth best right fielder worth the 16th best starter?
0: 16th best starter was Jose Barrios this season and the in the fifth best right fielder was Bryce Harper.
2: And like how much Bryce Harper's making. <laughs> but <clears throat> I don't know. I think it's a really it's really team dependent. And for the Angels, it's hard to say like oh we're going to not use him at pitcher because they have no really no strong pitching to begin with. Right. So for the Angels it's not smart to move
1: him to permanent right no, field no, no, right I'm now. Just throw, I'm throwing the hypothetical. Like if you no, were no, a I team, get it, Yeah. If you were a team and you and we took Jose Barrios' name and we took Bryce Harper's name off of those two numbers and we said, okay, you can have one that? of these two players. Who are you taking?
0: Uh, I think actually, I, to interject real quick, I think a better, if we're saying he's a six-war right fielder, I think it's not Harper. I think it's like You could say Judge, honestly. I think it's like Springer. Or even someone like right They said, I mean he's, positions on fan graphs are a little wacky.
2: He played like half um, and half at center and right. Acuna
0: was like a six war corner outfielder this year. I mean he played left. Same difference though.
1: Yeah. Yeah, either either way, if you take the name out of it. I'm just saying and I don't know. I don't know the answer. I I, I don't either. I, you know hey, I, no I, one I knows. In... You have to try him out there to see how how actually
2: good he is. Because if he's true a terrible defensive right fielder, then like you screwed up and
0: <laughs> yeah. you know, he has to But, but I guess like if you were to ask me like who would I rather start a team with Jose Barrios? Or Ronald Acuna.
2: <laughs> if they were the same, I mean if they were the same age though.
0: Yeah, take the same age. Okay, same I still Like I said,
1: uh, take, take the name out take the name out of it. Just I'll I'll give you a right fielder that hit two ninety with thirty five, or I'll give you a starter who uh three forty ERA. Right. What do you pick with 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 strikeouts?
2: Right, with strikeouts. But you're also giving stolen bases to the outfielder too. Twenty stolen oh, wow. bases, let's say.
1: Yeah, yeah it's, I... fair yeah.
2: I mean that, that I guess show Hey otani looks at it. it's like why can't we have both? And then goes out there and does will find
1: pay and then and then Shohei can just get paid like fifty a year. Just pay him twenty five per position. <laughs> yeah, right.
0: <laughs> right, when he becomes a free agent. But anyway, okay. I think like all this this talk about Otani like leads to an even better question with an even easier answer. Are the Angels the most exciting team they were going into twenty twenty? As, as of now. Yes, and then you add, like, the fifth best position player in baseball to that.
2: Yes. Okay, wait. Over, under, 130, oh, I was saying 130 RBIs for Anthony Rendon hitting behind Mike Trout this year.
1: If he hits behind him, he's going to have under because Mike Trout hits everybody in.
2: <laughs> that is true. But he also gets on base half the time, nearly. I mean, he so, walks so think, much that Rendon's did to double it, 44 times. He had 126 this year. Do you think he hits 130 behind Trout?
0: And I think his usage, like I think David Martinez had Rendon like in the five slot in the order, like like seriously. I
1: think, well, I just I and I don't even think I'm not even when I hit talking, seventh about Trout, with I'm Dusty Baker. talking about I'm not even talking about Trout <laughs> just driving guys in. I'm saying he's hitting home runs. So oh, I get
2: that. That's,
1: he also that's, walks that's,
2: 120 times, and you're gonna have a guy in true. first for at least 120 of your no drive bats. That's they should
0: true. just. I mean, I, I'm I don't really I think. There's been, you know, lineup protection is like kind of like a lot of people would argue that it's a myth. But I mean, I would have a really hard time thinking that a pitcher like I'm one of those people that still believes in lineup protection. Like, I still think lineup protection there. There is some sort of mental game that exists. Even statistically, it's not really been proven to really exist. Like, I think Trout's numbers are going to get better.
1: I I completely agree. He's So many more pitches in the zone. Right. I think it exists. I think it exists. You can't nibble. And on top of that, it's situationally as well. So overall, maybe not. I don't know. But uh, there are going to be situations where now where you would have done something and walked Trout or walked Rendon. You can't because you have to face the other one. Right. And then you still have
2: Otani, who, when healthy, is one of the best hitters in baseball, hitting presumably behind both of them, although. Madden could do his righty lefty thing and hit him in between them, but I, I really don't know how he's going to do it.
0: Could hit him Weed off, maybe? Um, I, I think, I think um, Davey had um, Rendon batting behind.
1: He was hitting fourth. I, I'm Soto looking at
0: their lineups. By the end of the year, he was hitting behind Eaton. Rendon was hitting third behind Eaton.
1: In the World Series, didn't he hit
2: fourth? Yeah, it was Soto uh, second, I think. Or Soto third? I think It was like Trey Turner, Adam Eaton, Juan Soto, and then Rendon, I think. I don't know. Or was
1: it something uh, – it was those four yeah. at the
0: top somewhere. I don't oh, know. Yeah, I, I, had a great, I guess I my point is budget. more along the lines of like Rendon goes from hitting behind Adam Eaton because that's who got the most starts in front of him last year to getting to hit behind Mike Trout. <laughs> yeah. Okay, here's
1: a, here's a good one for you two. You have the option. Let's just assume that Andrelton Simmons signs an extension. Okay, to stay there, um, would you rather have Anthony Rendon and Andrelton or Nolan Arenado and Trevor Story?
0: Oof,
2: that's tough. Because I don't think
1: I don't. Story's think a better player. hitter.
2: Story's a better hitter for sure, but Simmons is a much better defender, and that's hard right. to say for someone comparing him to Trevor Story. But he is Andrelton Simmons.
1: I mean Simmons is like a once in a generation type defender, right?
2: Right. Let's say Rendon yeah. and Arenado are the same. I think Story's better than Simmons overall, so I would say the Rockies. But, but are because I think I think yeah. the Angels get better if they right now traded Rendon and Simmons for Story and Arenado. I think no okay, doubt yes, they're I a agree. better team. So okay. I think if you look yeah. it that way, it's pretty obvious. Yeah. Well, here, here's You the think they're? But you. you
1: think that, Hold on, hold on. You think right, they're a, you, you think they're a better team if you get if they traded Trout or if they traded Trout. If they traded Rendon and Simmons for Arenado and Story?
2: Yeah, I think they're a better team.
1: Okay, I agree. The only reason I I say that is you have – the question becomes, like, you have Mike Trout and you have Anthony Rendon. How much more offensive value do you need relative to would you just have the defensive value? Story is a very strong defender, though. So, like, is it's not like he's
2: he's he's above average. He's not he's okay. not Simmons, okay. but he is
0: the the, the defensive metrics actually love Story last year. Plus, okay. uh, was he a finalist that.
2: for the Gold Glove? I think he was a top three. Not that that really means anything, but
0: he was plus seventeen defensive run saved and plus nine UZR. Okay, no, yeah. I, I didn't
1: know that. Yeah,
2: that's fine. So here's here's my my poll question. Since we haven't actually done a poll question in either of the first two, but I will post this right after the podcast is published. What okay? If you're looking at Shohei Otani's career, and you had to guess his last five games, will he a have all five games hitting, all five games pitching, or a mix of both of them? What would you say? Or even last ten games, will you say that all will you have all ten games pitching, all ten games hitting, or one at least one of both?
0: All right, such a good question.
1: That is such a good question. Let me start this and let me. I'm gonna say that he's gonna do both, and I'll tell you why. I think he's gonna do both because at the end of his career, are you they're
2: gonna mess around with him on his like his like tour to retirement? They'll I mean, be like, oh, yes, you can hit. I was gonna say,
1: or, okay, I let's, say, let's, say, let's say regardless, like last, regardless like, of that. I think you gotta say like last ten meaningful games. Like, Fine, let's say last last season, will he have at least five of both? Oh.
2: Five games strictly starting a designated hitter and five games at pitcher. Or will it be five games at pitcher? Or will it I be
1: think, five games I think I think, you know, I DH. honestly I I think that he ends up I think he continues. I think he keeps doing it. I think For the rest
2: of his career, even as like for a thirty seven year old, you think he's doing of his, both? That's crazy. For the rest of his career. I would love Dude, to see it. So the story and like, You would
0: love I've talked to see to, that.
2: I I He's a, talked he's the player of the 2020s if he does that, right? He's the best I, player of the 2020s if he does that. If he stays if he stays healthy, yes. And does both until he's 37, I think he's the best player of the
1: next decade. I mean, I talked to guys that that played with him in Japan and apparently like he loves baseball. Like you would so, think, you would hope, <laughs> right? Like no, but I mean like, you know, obviously like everybody knows <laughs> He'd that, rather be bowling right now but he's (laughs) He's too good at baseball to give it it up. He turned down, he turned down the opportunity to stay in Japan for what, one more year and get $200 million to take a gamble on himself. And that was because he just loves the game so much. Like he wanted to prove to everybody like how good he was. And um, for that reason, like I see that, like that's a gamer to me. Like that's a guy that I want on my team. That's a guy that I see going out and, Let me give you an example. One of my favorite examples uh, that I heard, and I I hadn't heard it, I believe, until last year, but it was was Nolan Ryan. And somebody talked about Nolan Ryan. They were like, you know, Nolan Ryan's last game uh, did not go good, right? I think he threw one-third of an inning, if that. Maybe he didn't even get an out. I'm not sure. Um, And everybody looks at that, and they're like, man, like, he played too long. Like, he just wouldn't quit. And somebody, th- this is like one of the best things I have heard. And somebody said, "No, that's the exact opposite of what happened." That guy played until he could literally no longer get an out. And
0: yeah, C. C. too. Out,
1: right, like, like that is so cool to say. Like, P-Rose. it just is. It's like, and I, I, think that you know, the if the stories are true, I think you got a guy that's going to do both his whole career. I would love to see that. I, I would love to see that. Everyone would love to see it. Man, okay, I, so it, it, if that happens, though, the best player of the 2020s, is he better than Mike Trout?
2: In the 2020s, I would say so. Trout's going to be, what, 2030 the first year? Or no, he's going to be 29 next year? Or 28? Either way. I think. Yeah, like Ohtani's
0: only, like, 25.
2: <laughs> he's going to be – Trout's going to be 29 through 38. And as much as I love Trout, it's hard to bet on the guy in his 30s being the best player of a decade. Just historically, I don't even think that's been done – many times especially for a dude that was so good in the in the, the previous decade because he was yeah undoubtedly He's... a player of this decade too
0: oh for sure And i know that there hasn't no been
2: a player lead the lead the majors in war in consecutive decades so trout would be the first to do it but i would be especially with the guys like juan Soto and acuna jr and guys that haven't even been called up yet i mean trout didn't really play full-time until 2012 so there could be a guy that we've never even heard of that is is the guy of the 2020s with the way that all of this works out.
0: Vlad Guerrero Jr., Wander Franco,
2: right? All those guys. We have no idea how good they're going to be. And Trout is obviously the consistent guy, and he's going to be a good hitter probably the whole decade because just how scared of just how scared pitchers are going to be of him. But the question is, his his he's he stopped stealing for the most part already. His defensive value is going to decline. He's going to move to a corner outfield probably in the ne- in this next decade unless something miraculous happens with his like aging and he doesn't age at all he's going to move to a corner outfield he's going to be if i'm just guessing what's going to happen in like 2027 2028 he's going to be a good bat he's not going to be a good fielder left field right field dh maybe even like first base i (laughs) could i mean crazier things have happened but i'd be surprised if he's doing what he's doing now in even like six years
0: yeah so i guess my answer to the poll question as opposed to who's going to be the player of the 2020s. Um, I'm, I'm going to be less optimistic. Taylor, love the optimism. I, I'd love to see that. I hope he does both his entire career.
2: I'm going to phrase it a little differently because the question I asked was kind of confusing. Will he have more pitching strikeouts or hitting hits in his last year? Oh, wait, actually, no, that's that's worse. That's worse, actually. I think the way I placed it originally was better. Yeah, that's worse. Because then you can't can't leave room for both. I think the way I placed it originally was better.
0: No, yeah, I think... I think, you know, retirement tour aside, he's going to be a hitter. I I just think I... Because, I mean, I guess, like, for me, I look at Shohei as two players. And a position player... Which one ages better, yeah. And a... And a pitcher, and all logic says that position players age better, and so for him, you know, I think this also ties into the point about he's going to want to play till the wheels fall off, and I think at some point even he's going to recognize that the only way for him to stay in the majors is to. I think I, I, maybe I'm making a completely I'll, logical I'll argument, but with I think both
2: of you. Those well, I'll take a different side than both of you. I'll take the third side, and, and I'll say that though it's very very i would say like it, ha, it does not happen a lot where a guy comes up if you're looking at it from a two-player perspective like you are devin i would say that it's very rare for a guy to come up at like age 23 and be a designated hitter full-time and if you're really a designated Butler. hitter full-time you have to hit you can't really defend you can't like keep keep your way in the lineup because you're a great defender and he's not really a base dealer he's not going to be in his late 30s so he's gonna have to hit he's gonna have to hit it like at least an average pace for, for someone to want to keep him in the lineup or he's going to be in Albert pools where he wouldn't be on the angels if he wasn't getting paid so much.
0: Right. So So you say
2: that as a DH, he, he needs to hit in order to be out there. Whereas a pitcher, there's so many, he could get moved to the bullpen, like we were talking about earlier, or he could just be, he could, his velocity is obviously going to go down, but there have been so many guys that have been pitching into their mid to late thirties in recent years that have been, that have been good. So I would just for the sake of disagreeing with both of you, I'll say that, he will
0: pitch in his last season and not hit Wait, 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 question. Yeah. If Otani in his last season is not a full-time outfielder.
1: Because that I, I, that's be kind of what I was voting
0: for. That's kind of oh, what he, I would be voting for. Is like, okay. maybe not. he's not a full-time DH by that point, but he's a full-time position player. And let, leave it at that. That's because fine. I get what you're saying that's, about DH. That's
2: the same option. It's just he's a full-time hitter. Right. And I would say that I, I would be shocked if like, in like six years, they're like, okay, you're done pitching. Here, play outfield. You haven't done it in a decade, but like, try it now. Yeah, I don't fair. See him moving in outfield unless they do it this year or next year. I don't see fair. him ever playing a game in the outfield because unless Joe Madden gets really screwy, which could fair. be possible. <laughs> Joe Madden, could do it. he's he's actually played played real pitchers out there. So,
1: yeah. Okay, here here's a here's a uh, just an overall inquiry. Um, you said earlier that pitchers have or hitters have not aged as, or pitchers have not aged as well as hitters. Last season, uh, you guys are going to have to look this up. Last season, players over the age of, thir- let's just say, let's say 32. Let's say players over the age of 32, who had more war, pitchers or hitters? Can you find that?
0: I'll look. Yeah, I'll find that real quick. Last Wait, season. And
1: what? And w- well, hold on. What's your guess before you look it up? What's your guess? Pitchers. Yeah, I'm going to say Pictures. pitchers too. So but sorry, I think that's, pitchers, that's what I'm saying to go along with my point. I, I, but I, I think, but yeah, no, you said pitchers don't age as well. I think that pitchers no are I
2: think
1: up, that. No, okay. I, pitchers I, over
0: the age of 32 last season produced 89 and a half war. Batters over the age of 32 last season produced 67 war. So may, right. may, you know.
2: But I, so, no, I agree with you, Taylor, that, that okay. pitchers do age better than hitters. And that's what I'm saying. Cause if Otani's a hitter, he has to hit. And I don't see that happening as well as being able to keep a pitching. And I said, like, the guys in recent years who have been old and pitched, there have been a lot of successful guys, which is why I think that Otani yeah. will stay a pitcher. No, I agree with you totally. Okay.
0: That is, yeah. Age. That, is, that is an interesting might question, have, I though. I
2: misspoke earlier, but yeah, I think he will age better as a pitcher than a hitter.
0: We'll see. His I mean, I
2: age as well, but he's still, pitchers have been shown recently, especially that they can adapt to, yeah, well, to 90 it, mile it, an hour fastball. I,
1: I think you brought up the point earlier about, uh, you know, Cole and Strasburg and the stuff. And I feel like, Recently, the guys that have pitched really well, um, you know, into their mid 30s have been stuff guys, you know, like these right. guys. And it's I feel like that is somewhat of a change in our game. Like, you know, I think before I think if you go to the last generation of baseball um, and really it even he even went into our generation. Well, the two guys that you think of that when you say, hey, who, who pitched forever, the two guys are going to be Bartolo Colon and Jamie Moyer. Those are gonna be the two right. guys that you think about. And at the end of their careers, they weren't they weren't really stuffed guys.
0: Well like I don't, they yeah. got
1: outs. They got outs effectively, but they knew how to pitch. And I feel like now you're looking at guys in their mid thirties that are pitching and they're throwing 95. Like right. you know what I mean? It's
2: different. But look at a guy like yeah. Rinky. He's he was well, he threw a lot harder earlier in his career. Now he's throwing 89, 90. Same with Kershaw. Kershaw didn't throw as hard, but he doesn't throw over ninety anymore.
1: And well, Kershaw's pitching has changed a bunch, though, hasn't it?
2: Yeah, but still, regardless, so, it, the, the pitchers have shown that they can adapt from throwing hard to pitching smart. I guess you could say. And like same with right. Cologne. Cologne used to throw gas when he was like twenty-two. I wasn't old enough. I don't even know if I was alive. I don't think I was alive to see it. But he he threw gas when he was when he was a rookie. And like people that grew up watching him pitch in his forties did not even think that like that was even possible. He's like, oh, he was the dude that always threw eighty-eight. And just like got out because, and he's always the hilarious mm-hmm. dude. But he used to be some skinny dude that threw gas.
1: Right, and then at right. the end of his career, he had. I mean, his sinker. Once again, I have no idea, but like his sinker had to have some of the most movement of all time, right? Like in the Statcast era. Of those balls <laughs> that he, some of those balls that he's throwing were like left-handed sliders. So Otani's gonna have the splitter forever,
2: right? Unless his arm gives out. That's you That's the only reason I. I could see Devin's about uh, him being a hitter, longer than he's a pitcher. Is his arm? Because splitters take a toll on your arm. So I could yeah, see his arm. Just, like they, eventually, at like thirty, he did. They stop pitching him because his arm. He had a couple Tommy John surgeries, and like, okay, you may as well just hit now.
1: Yeah, but even but, with a couple TJ's, like at this point, medic like the medicine and, and these doctors are so good that you're seeing that these true. guys get back out there after two and right. you know what was it last year? We had a guy for the first time ever with three. Um, you know, honestly, I think one of the cooler things that this didn't even really get talked about uh, kind of went under the radar uh, when he got inducted, but John Smoltz, I think that was a huge, I think it was a huge thing for baseball. I don't even know if you guys know this, but he was the first guy with Tommy John to be in the hall of fame. And like, that's a big deal. Um, right. And I think that, you know, it, it, it kind of took like the scare away. Like I don't think people are scared of it anymore. It's not a scary thing. These doctors yeah, are the procedure so good now. It's like, Oh, you had it done okay. Like no big deal. Right. You know? And so, yeah, I which is why I think that he continues to do both. Because I don't see that as a factor into um into him, okay? Like and especially if we get to the point where they figure out that he might be able to hit more, like if they were competing, didn't they say that like if the Angels were more in competition that they could have rushed him back a little bit more offensively?
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So
1: I mean if you know that's why I don't think there's a, as much of a fear to let him keep doing it because okay he has to get surgery so be it. He misses right. he misses half a year pitching. So be it. Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, I think and it'll be interesting to see. We'll have to come back to this conversation in 20 years and yeah. <laughs> uh, see who was like, I I told you so.
0: <laughs> right.
2: Tell <like> a 45-year-old Taylor. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But uh, anyway, I think that just about does it for this episode. So, Jeremy, you got to get on po- posting that poll. You know, we joked about the poll. Once the
2: podcast is up, I will post the poll okay. in, the same, in the same tweet as the podcast
0: link. So people okay. vote, and
2: then they're like, oh, now I have to listen to hear what." Now you have to 10. listen. But, to uh,
0: you know, I do think that just about does it for yes. this installment Episode three of the Framing the Conversation podcast. Talked about a lot today. It was very interesting conversations. Bouncing a lot of questions off each other. You know, my favorite, I think, was definitely the uh, switch pitcher pitching two days in a row or just pitching every guy um, I'm, in the lineup. I, have, so, I you know a
2: lot of wacky questions about baseball, and I can
0: guarantee you I've never asked him that. Devin can back me yeah. on that. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's for sure.
2: Hypotheticals, but I've never asked him, I've never thought about that
0: so everyone will get to listen to that and we just want to thank you all once again for listening leave us a review on apple podcasts you can find us on spotify and most other places where you get the podcasts but i think most people just listen on spotify you can listen on anchor you can listen everywhere and as always you can find us on twitter we're pretty active and drop um, us questions drop us questions for sure
1: yeah topics questions uh, anything and hopefully in the next episode or two we'll have a uh, special guest on too
0: yeah that will be exciting but um if you guys don't have anything else to add i think we can thank you all for listening and yeah have a great weekend and we'll be Merry back Christmas, soon
2: happy holidays if we don't talk to you guys before then
0: maybe thank we will, will maybe too. we won't hopefully but, we squeeze you know.
2: one in before the holidays but if not happy holidays to everyone Happy Happy holidays
0: to all. Anyway, thank you all for listening and we'll see you soon.